Hello and welcome to Finding New Films, uh, self-tapes, the new show. Um, this show is basically the same thing as Finding New Films, the regular shows that come out on Friday, but this is going to be a solo show that, that's uh, just me. So, isn't that fun? My name's Hunter Harris, I am the host of Finding New Films, and I'm now the host of Finding New Films self-tapes as well, uh, given that I am the, the host of the lineal show, the, the real show, if you will. Um, but, nevertheless, say that word too much, I uh, am bringing this to you guys because basically I just want to watch more movies. <laughs> I want more, I want to do more work. I love editing so much. Uh, <laughs> no, really, I do love watching movies, and there are some movies that I really just don't want to even suggest to people, because they're kind of embarrassing. <laughs> I'm joking. But this is going to be more for, like, uh, like the obscure movies, um, kind of. <laughs> I don't know, this is going to be like extra shit basically, uh, so these will come out on Mondays, uh, today as you're watching this, uh, it could be Memorial Day, that's the day it'll be coming out, is on Memorial Day, I don't know if you'll be watching it on Memorial Day, but nevertheless, th that day, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> So, if you saw the back tour pilot, <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> just blanked out right there. Uh, the back tour pilot episode, episode 21, that came out Friday, uh, that was um, the technical first episode of this show. Um, so, when we go to the list, Lost in Translation will be on this list. Um, but if you didn't see that, if you didn't see the technical first episode, that is over there on that feed. If you look um, look at them on uh, any uh, podcasting platform, and even it'll be like this on YouTube, uh, there will be a line after the episode, like who's in the episode or like what the episode's name is, and then there will be like what the show is. So the, sh the main show that comes out Friday will say FNF. This show will say FNF self-tapes. Um, yeah. And we are, I meant to do this in the last, uh, or sorry, in the Lost in Translation uh, at the end of the video. I was going to announce that there is another, uh, another um, show coming as well that is uh, just another edition of Finding New Films, and it's gonna be Finding New Films at the movies. <laughs> uh, like, it's so funny to me that movies, you can say like, I'm going to the movies, and people uh, like are like, oh yeah, you're gonna go to the theater and watch a movie. But I couldn't say like, I'm going to the films. <laughs> people would think you're stupid. I love that. I love that that's just the thing. Um, but nevertheless, finding new films at the movies will be a once a month show that we're going to do because those tickets are 
expensive as fuck, and I'm not rich. Uh, <laughs> or even close to middle class. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we are going to be going to the movie theaters to watch some fun movies. And the first episode will be me and Trevor, and we will be reviewing Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Uh, which I thought was... You'll have to find out. <laughs> first Marvel movie on finding new films, and it won't even be on the real show. It'll be on a spinoff. But, yeah. And all these shows are going to come out on the finding new films feed so you won't have to go anywhere else it'll be this logo so just look for the blue logo if you're looking for the self tapes which you won't be uh, and if you're looking for the real thing look for the black logo with the octagon on it that's the real finding new films the the one you're looking for at least <laughs> I don't know why I'm roasting this show so hard I haven't even started it yet but yeah, hopefully you can see that logo. I had played with the camera earlier, and I could see it when I was looking at it earlier, and I don't know if it's messed up now, but if it is, fuck me, right? Um, <clears throat> but anyway, I'm going to read this plot synopsis, uh, and I'm going to read the credits, and I'm going to read some themes, and then I'm going to talk about my opinion, and that's going to be the end of the podcast. But there will be a break in the middle, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, The Wrestler was released in 2008 by the company, or distributed by the company Fox Searchlight, uh, which is pretty cool. They're a pretty cool company. That's it. Uh, Runtime of the movie was an hour, oh, sorry, yeah, an hour and 49 minutes, or <laughs> an hour and 49, did I say that? I think I did say that. I think I said an hour 49 and then corrected myself. Hour and 49 minutes. <laughs> the writer of the movie is Robert Siegel. The director is Darren Aronofsky. The editor is Andrew Weissbloom. The music in the film was done by Clint Mansell. Camera work was done by Maurice Alberti. The star of the film was Mickey Rourke, and his co-stars were Marissa Tomei and Evan Rachel Wood, as well as many others, but I don't want to read their names, because I'm lazy. Plot uh, is as follows. I'm going to drink some water before that, just so I don't choke. Isn't that cute? Anyway, professional wrestler Robin Ranzimski, uh, better known by his ring name Randy the Ram Robinson, rose to fame in the 1980s. Now past his prime, Randy wrestles on weekends for independent promotions in New Jersey while living in a trailer park and working part-time at a supermarket under Wayne, a demeaning manager who mocks Randy's wrestling background. As a regular at a strip club, Randy befriends a stripper named Cassidy who, like Randy, is past her prime. After winning a local match, Randy agrees to a proposed 20th anniversary match with his most notable opponent, the Ayatollah, which Randy hopes could return him to stardom. Randy intensifies his training, which includes steroid injections. After wrestling a hardcore match, Randy suffers a heart attack backstage and undergoes coronary artery bypass surgery. 
His doctor informs him that he nearly died and he has to stop taking steroids and also warns Randy not to wrestle anymore, as his heart can no longer handle the exertion. Reluctantly, Randy decides to retire and begins working full-time, uh, a full-time shift at the supermarket's deli counter. At Cassidy's suggestion, Randy visits his estranged daughter, Stephanie, whom he had abandoned when she was a child, but she rebuffs him. While helping Randy buy a gift for Stephanie, Cassidy reveals that she has a son. Randy makes romantic advances towards her, which she rejects on the grounds of her job. Later, Randy gives the gift uh, to his daughter and apologizes for abandoning her. The two bond over a visit to Beachfront Boardwalk, where he often took her as a child and agrees to meet for dinner on the coming Saturday. Randy goes to Cassie's clip, uh, strip club to thank her, but she once more rejects him, resulting in a heated exchange. Upset, Randy goes to a wrestling match and finds solace in wrestling friends. Uh, while at a bar with them, he gets drunk, snorts cocaine, has sex with a woman in the woman's restroom, then wakes up in her bedroom the next morning. Exhausted, he sleeps the entire day and misses his dinner with Stephanie. He goes to her house to apologize, but she angrily tells him she hates him and never wants to see him again. At the deli counter, a patron recognizes Randy as the wrestler. Uh, though he denies it, uh, the customer persists, which agitates Randy, who then cuts his own hand on the slicer and promptly quits on the spot. Going into a rampage in the store while insulting Wayne and the customers, spurred by the fans' recognition of him and with nothing left, Randy decides to return to wrestling and reschedules the, ma the rematch with the Ayatollah. He reconciles with Cassidy, who has just quit her job, though she begs him not to wrestle because of his heart condition and pleads with him to cancel the match. However, Randy disregards her advice, explaining to her that he belongs in the ring with his fans and fellow wrestlers who love and respect him. As he wrestles, Randy begins to feel chest pain and becomes unsteady. Noticing this, the Ayatollah urges him to initiate the pin and end the match. Randy refuses, however, and climbs to the top rope for his finisher, a diving headbutt called the Ram Jam. He looks over and sees Cassidy has left. As the crowd cheers his name, Randy, with tears in his eyes, leaps from the top rope. And that is The Wrestler. Um, pretty wide open ending. Pretty, pretty wide open ending. He kind of just jumps off the top rope and it goes black. And that's about it. Pretty interesting. Um... We'll get into that later. The themes uh, that I picked up on, and there are plenty, uh, these are just a few. Uh, I have arrogance, beauty of simplicity, courage, circle of life, desire to escape reality, uh, disillusionment and dreams, displacement, feeling of emptiness, facing reality, faded beauty, familial tension, Fate and free will, fear of failure, heroism, real and perceived, identity crisis, injury, losing hope, lost honor, lost love, names, their power and significance, the necessity of working, optimism, power and folly, the power of actions, the power of silence, the power of words, pride and downfall, Sacrifice for art, 
self, inner and outer, self-reliance, temporary nature of physical beauty, temptation and destruction, vanity is downfall, vulnerability of the strong, war, glory, necessity, pain, and tragedy of it, uh, the will to survive, and working class struggles. Everybody's favorite working class struggles. Um, I feel like that did a pretty, pretty wide ranging job of, of uh, nailing the themes for this movie. And there, you know, I feel like I think that might be like the most I can figure out real quick, actually, how many there are. Number there, are th I had 37 right there. That's fucking insane. Wild. Anyways, that's definitely the most I've ever written down. But they were all in there. Um, just awesome. Really enjoyed this movie a lot. <clears throat> um, I didn't say what my inspiration for this movie was. My inspiration for this movie. Uh, is the fact that I love wrestling. I've, uh, I've loved wrestling since I was a kid. Stopped liking it for a little while, and in between, when I found out it was scripted, I had like an identity crisis. Um, and then, like last year, just about, I, um, I like fell back in love with it, and now I like fully understand it. Now that I'm not like a complete mark. Um, just buying everything that they sell, but uh, <laughs> yeah, now that I now that I am um, back into wrestling, big AEW fan. WWE doesn't really do it for me anymore, but big AEW fan. So that was my um, biggest reason I wanted to watch this movie, just because it's about a wrestler. Um, but further than that, Darren Aronofsky directed the film, and then further than that, Mickey Rourke was nominated for an Academy Award for his performance in this movie. So, a lot of things to kind of draw you into this movie, you know, surface level, and then when you go deeper, this movie really is that good, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, the opening collage scene. Uh, with all of the newspapers detailing how great this guy was and all these headlining uh, papers and flyers and stuff like that, it really was a it didn't have a great effect to show you who this guy was, really introduce you to him before you've even met him, you know, um, at least on screen. And... I, I just really enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was super effective, and uh, it was just a great choice by both writer and director on that one. Um, getting moving on from that, uh, him getting lowballed on his pay while he's having to sit in a daycare, uh, it was really tough to watch as a wrestling fan. Kind of really hits you with the harsh reality of you know of these indie shows that we love so much and um yeah and then him leaving that venue and that child basically wanting him because he's got a signature type of thing you know 
um, pretty sad, just that no humanity is found, um, just kind of sad. Um, I have this recurring thing that seems to be happening to me where in finding new films or in self-tapes now, uh, I just have one reference that really has no reference to anything. And this one I have written down, God damn it, Lenny. And I'm sure that has, uh, you know, some context somewhere in the movie. Um, I'm sure that's not just like some random thing I wrote down. <laughs> I'm sure of it. But <laughs> at the same time, I don't, I, I have no recollection of why. So that is, that is the line for this one. <laughs> Moving on from that, I, uh, I really like the enjoy, or sorry, I really like the enjoy. Great sentence there. I really enjoyed the scene where they talk through their spots, and I do believe that it is the death of wrestling kayfabe, the idea that uh, the wrestlers enforce that it is in fact real, um, fully real, like to the extreme back in the day where they would fight you if you suggested that it was scripted or fake in any way. Um, because you had to protect that belt. That was the world's heavyweight champion. And then as the years have uh, have gone along, it's become less and less important to the people performing. And honestly, less and less important to the fans. They don't really care. Um, which I feel like has kind of resulted in wrestling becoming more dangerous for the wrestlers involved. But nevertheless... Um, that is, uh, that is basically what kayfabe is, uh, for anyone who didn't know. And I just feel like it's the death of kayfabe in the way that I don't, I don't know that any wrestling fan ever really needed to see two wrestlers talking through what they're going to do in a match or, you know, how they want to hit their beats or anything like that. It's been spoken about in podcast interviews. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm like ignorant to that or anything like that. Um, but to see a movie, you know, and having people act it out, it, it was just a little bit more jarring than um, I was really expecting it to. Um, to be more jarring than I expected it to be. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I... It, it was just, it really, um, you know, it, it was just more, I guess, another reality check in the movie, uh, in that it, it just, it, it did have another great effect, uh, you know, really keyed you into the behind the scenes of wrestling and how guys interact with one another, and it's all the mutual respect, none of these guys are, like, super big friends, I, that's a, I make a bigger point about that later on, I'm pretty sure, um, I might just save that for then. But, you know, you can kind of tell from this, like, first one scene of, you know, them talking through their spots and in the, in that, and this, that, and the other, uh, that they're not friends. They know each other. 
their acquaintances, their co-workers, but friends, maybe some of them, you know. And that's kind of what you get from this movie about the way that they interact with each other, which I think is very accurate. And it was really well done, uh, which along with most of the stuff in this movie, so no complaints uh, with that. Um, yeah. Uh, I have this note that says he is cheered in his professional life, but he's ridiculed in his professional, sorry, he is cheered in his professional life, but ridiculed in his personal life. That could be what causes him to chase such a high. Probably. Uh, probably past Hunter because, you know, I think, <laughs> I think this guy, uh, I don't think this guy ever really had a great life. And it doesn't touch on his parents or his upbringing or any of that kind of talk more touches on the situation that he's put himself in rather than the situation that he's come from um so you don't get to empathize with him in that way of knowing where he's been you just kind of have to accept him for where he is um and that's something ultimately his daughter and then cassidy cannot do uh, which i imagine is a common theme throughout his entire life uh, so, you know, I can imagine how if you have such a nature of self-sabotage that, you know, and self-indulgence that you, um, sorry, there's a moth in my house and I'm staring at it now. There's a massive moth. God damn it. Anyway, sorry for the GD. Um, <laughs> to any family watching, but nevertheless, uh, Jesus, that's gonna freak me out now. I found a fucking mouse in my house today. I'm so glad we were able to get it out. <sighs> Shit was gross. And first mouse in a year and a half. I'm very glad of it, but like. Shit, it needs to be the last fucking mouse in this house. Sorry for that. But I, um, I don't even remember what I was talking about. It's just not important. Um, my, my next note. My next note says Aunt May is busting it down sexual style in this movie. <laughs> and she was. She really, really, really was. Um, Marissa Tomei plays Aunt May in the uh, new Spider-Man series with Tom Holland. Um, she is a stripper in this movie. Uh, and she bears it all. A lot. Multiple times. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, that was a, that was a, something that a, a little, little me watching my cousin Vinny, you know, maybe would have dreamed of, right? Um, 
and I imagine many, many other people, that bodysuit that whatever her wardrobe person put her in for that movie, great job. Um, but <laughs> get off of that. Uh, she was she was all over the film, um, you know, in that regard. So, uh, interesting to see, but also I feel like the emotional side of this character was really, uh, was really interesting. I thought it had a good amount of depth for, you know, for her profession, uh, and given how film is, uh, they normally don't, you know give that much importance to a character uh to a sex working character so you have to give credit to the writer here for giving this character some depth you know maybe a little bit of cliche depth you know but depth nonetheless and you know she has actions that are justified and thoughts that are really justified based on her character's previous, you know, interactions and things like that. So at least she's very consistent, uh, consistently written, and consistently performed by Marissa Tomei. I feel like it's really, really well done from her. She had a great performance, and I thought Evan Rachel Wood's character also had a uh, a really cool um, overarching dynamic with. Randy uh, in this and then you know um, a lot of the wrestlers that were in the movie did a good job too there was an R-Truth sighting love that what's up what's up what's up that's his uh, theme song if you're not aware anyways uh, my next thought little bubble it says drugs with this emoji um <clears throat> and then my next note <laughs> says I love this non-glamorized look at the ADLs the average daily uh, life activities I think I don't maybe I should have just said average daily life activities of a pro wrestler um you know, going to the gym, tanning, having to just kind of get yourself ready. I You don't really think of it as them being like, oh, an actor getting ready or like, you know, anything else. The professional fighters aren't waking up in the morning and being like, oh, I got to get my spray tan on, you know. It's just a different dynamic. Um, and I enjoyed that aspect, uh, and them showing that, and again, another reality check for wrestling fans who want to glamorize, or non-wrestling fans who want to glamorize, and, uh, I just, it, it's to great effect, because it, it definitely got to me, so, great effect. Um, we got a break, and we gotta go take one. So I'm going to do that, and I'll be right back, basically. You'll get me in about 
10 seconds because it is 11.45 p.m. So, so I got to go to bed at some point. Anyway, um, I'm going to come back, maybe talk for, I don't know, 15 or 30 more minutes about this movie, and then I will be done. Welcome back to uh, Self Tapes. This is part two of the show. Um, we left off. I was talking about the non-glamorized ADLs of pro wrestlers. Um, I thought that part was really cool. I already said that. I said I was done when we came back. I'm going to keep my word. So my next point is him being forced into a death match because he has no money is brutally true and brutally honest. <sighs> so that hard, that shit was hard to watch. Um, I do not like death matches. In general, just not my thing. It's not for me. Just don't care for it. Do not have that, uh, that, that need for violence or that much violence <laughs> uh and i just can't i i can't knowing that it's scripted that is where the death of kayfabe becomes a thing where it's like okay so then why are you doing this uh that's just that's where i am with it and if you disagree i understand it's fine i, I just don't like it um, if you like it though, that's awesome. I hope it's great for you in the future and all that jazz. Just not a fan of death matches, but uh, basically a death match for those of you who didn't watch the movie and don't know. Um, it is a match where routinely in a you know at a wrestling match, if there are extreme rules in like WWE or AEW, say so to speak. They'll use chairs and they'll do chair shots to the back or, uh, you know, they'll put the guys through tables or, you know, they'll pull out kendo sticks and just things of that nature. Um, in a death match, kendo sticks placed by a long LCD glass uh, lighting. So like those long LED lights you see in like Walmart. Uh, to like to light all those big sectional areas, you just smashed onto people's heads, necks, backs. Just the worst shit. Um, and on purpose, just the worst shit on purpose. Um, you know, instead of going through tables and go through glass window panes that are set up between two chairs uh people die uh and have died in death matches like during death matches many people have cut their jugular veins open uh during not on purpose but during death matches they've cut their jugular veins open and just honestly for me it just doesn't make sense and it doesn't mean it's not really worth it it doesn't seem worth it and it's not ever done on a big scale so they're i know they're not getting paid for this uh unless they work their asses off and when you are like landing on thumbtacks every night and you're like 
you know, smashing glass over your head. That's not a viable, like, day-to-day type of job. And I mean, not even wrestling is, but, you know, more so than, uh, I can't take any LED pipes off your head. I don't know, man, or LED lighting off your head, but, yeah, I don't know. Uh, not for me, but him getting forced into that death match uh, because he has no money and that basically being the cause of his heart attack is really sad uh, and really, really honest. Um, and then to move on from that to have them get that note in the hospital that says rest up warrior or rest up you're a warrior with his like with his money attached to it so insane honestly uh it's like so unhinged uh behavior from that promoter just being like ah sorry bud here's your money it's like you maybe want to do a health check on me before i get in the ring it's like ah you're good no i don't think i will be a doctor around you I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna have any doctors around you, because why the hell would I do that when I can make some money tonight? <laughs> um, he used to brag about his scars in the bar, uh, to Cassidy and stuff like that, and then after that open heart surgery, he didn't seem to want to to talk about no scars anymore. And uh, I have it written down in here that I feel like he's ashamed of it because he didn't earn it, you know, quote unquote. Um, yeah, I I feel like that was like a source source of his pride. It kind of soured his pride, really, because he took so much pride in like getting those war, uh, you know, war injuries, so to speak. But, um, you know, at the same time, after he got that heart injury and had to get it, you know, uh, redone, or (laughs) redone, had to get his heart, you know, cleared out with the bypass surgery, he really, you know, it's really exemplified in that scene where he, didn't mean to hit the mic there, but, um, when he puts his coat over it, he just was really ashamed of it. And I thought that was really a cool effect. And again, one of the thing, one of the themes that is just completely unspoken in this movie, um, cause a lot of them are just unspoken, uh, just really well done in the script too. Um, I would probably actually enjoy reading this script. I'm sure it'd be a fun read. Um, have him inviting his child to play video games could have ended so much worse than it actually did uh them just actually only playing video games yeah i was very concerned going into that scene of what was about to happen <laughs> so many things uh could have happened can the movie already felt like like a seedy underbelly so to have that be like a uh, another another aspect 
of like, and this guy diddles. That would have been weird. Uh, that would have been really weird, and I'm glad that was not the direction. I'm glad. I'm really glad it was quite literally. I may have just made a lot of noise. Uh, I'm just really glad that I, uh, that all they literally did was just want to play video games, or that all he wanted to do was play video games. Um, I think that was also like a tether back to like um, trying to relate to his child in some way. Uh, maybe he is, you know, disappointed that he didn't have a son. Just throwing ideas out. But uh, my next note actually here says him blowing up in the woods after light running. Uh, and then that ex existentialism hits in. Uh, kick, kicks in. Sorry. Um, yeah, him getting really tired in the woods like that was uh, must have been hard for him to deal with. And then having him be like, ah, oh, fuck, this is never going to be the same. Um, and then him having that, like, existential thought of, like, ah, oh, God, this is gonna be how I die. Like, I'm gonna die because I can't wrestle myself, <laughs> no pun intended, can't wrestle myself out of the ring. And, uh, I, he's just so addicted to it. There's just, there's no way he's gonna stop. No matter if he knows it's gonna kill him, he would rather die. Um... Something I can't relate to. I could not do that. That sounds insane. <laughs> Nevertheless, um, I have it written down on my next one. Hey, my next note I have. I feel like the super alpha culture present in wrestling causes him to feel as though he has to rush back to the ring. Quote unquote, the I'm fine mentality. Uh, also known as men. <laughs> uh, I just, it, it really infuriates infuriated me but only because of the realness of it of him just being like ah yeah it's just a heart attack to that one guy and you know basically ignoring the any advice that any doctor gave him and you know maybe that was bound to happen and he would have gone and on and done it anyway if he didn't die in that ring if nobody had found him would he have even you know if nobody had found him after that death match, would it even would this even be a conversation? You know, what do you know? I really know. Um, I've got the autograph scene in the small room where all the guys have a physical ailment of some sort and they're treated as cannon fodder. Does a great job at putting their lives into perspective and helping the audience empathize with Randy. I agree. Um, as well as empathizing with just all of the other characters in general, but um, I feel like you know, Randy specifically uh, just because he's sitting around um, he's just kind of put this heart injury under wraps and you know, is keeping it to himself he's really only told Cassidy and his daughter, who does not give a fuck uh He's really only told them. Um, and then he lies to his wrestling buddy because he doesn't want to, you know, have anybody he doesn't care about know his business, maybe, or he, you know, just is so prideful that he doesn't want to pass up 
pretty sure he's offered a match here, so I'm pretty sure he doesn't want to have it passed up because he doesn't know how else he's going to pay his bills. Um, so that's definitely a part of it. But I just really thought it was cool because it also perspectivized for him when he's sitting in that room with all of the other wrestlers because I'm pretty sure he gets asked if he wants to wrestle before he walks into the big room with all the other guys. Yeah. Excuse me. And the reason that I find that interesting is because it's they have very tangible and easy to see out you know off the body injuries um, extremity injuries is what I should say so like you know guys with you know missing legs or they're in wheelchairs or just you know guys with physical disabilities in general um, and he's looking around the room like I also have a physical disability but mine is like the death of me like I will literally like it, it, that stops I die um, and he kind of has to like come to terms with the fact that he, if he wants what he is saying that he wants, he just has to kind of be willing to die. Um, which I think he kind of accepts by the end of the movie. Once he fucks up with his daughter again, and she's really not having it. I mean, what else do you really have at that point? And that's what he's asking himself. And um and ultimately gets maybe the best of him we never really see but i would like to believe that he hit that ram jam and just never got up because that's that seems most likely um my next point here says the way friendship between wrestlers is shown is incredible because it's nothing too personal there is mutual respect doesn't manifest in anything deeper than mutual respect and when he sees a mutual, an old mutual friend, he comes up to him, says something to the tune of nice to see you. It's been a while, but that's about it. Basically what I said earlier, but, you know, none of these guys are getting too close to one another. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's something else. They probably think that the other person's trying to get the upper hand on them politically and inside the company and stuff like that and it kind of just goes back to the thing of like yeah, these guys are all just co-workers they all want the same thing they all want to get pushed more than the other one they all want to be seen with favor from the company and the top brass and yeah just life shit but it's all pro wrestling <laughs> so um, my next point here says Marissa Tomei's character dealing with all that rejection and in a similar place as Randy has a moment where she snaps back to reality and realizes he cares about her more than just the surface level because he continuously comes to like come see her all the time and tell him uh, tell her about his life uh, and even though uh, any other dancer would just treat him like the low dance I said it's cool that she realized that he uh what he was more than his service level because any other dancer would have treated him like some low-down simp that he is um <laughs> i feel like that may have been a little mean but he was he was, he was pretty low down he was simping so i uh i have to i have to call it out when i see it uh, the most cringing part of this movie is when they, uh, Marissa Tomei's character and Mickey uh, Mickey Rourke's character both bond over calling Kurt Cobain a pussy and saying the 80s hair bands were the shit. 
just hilariously cringy. And then they said the 90s sucked. Um, I don't know. It was like real Trump supporter vibes. Just kind of really threw me off. I mean, obviously this movie doesn't have perspective for that type of thing. Being as though it came out eight, before, eight years before Trump uh, was elected. But boy, oh boy, does it still sting to watch. Um... <laughs> Uh, I only have a few more. Uh, well, I say that, and there's like ten more. Uh, <laughs> I have this note here that says, you got the same validation, making people happy, working honest, and it probably makes them feel better. Uh, that is not the truth, the second part. It was a little naive thought for you there, past Hunter. Um... But he does get a lot of the same validation from being able to perform for, like, the people that are trying to get food from the deli. He feels like he can kind of, like, perform it and work it. So, um, from that perspective, you know, yes, that top one, that first one, but second one, not really. Uh, it does not make him feel better to work there. He likes wrestling more. I really enjoyed, <clears throat> sorry, the whole arc with his daughter thought it was really 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 well done i thought that was like the most beautifully written part of the movie um and then i mean even in a way he, he squanders his opportunity to rekindle their relationship i thought that was awesome and just the pure story storytelling aspect of it not that it was awesome that he got drunk and fucked some rando and then couldn't make it back because she was tired and missed their dinner because uh you know snorting cocaine and banging a hooker was more important not a hooker i guess but banging a uh, a random chick in a bar bathroom is more important <laughs> i don't know yeah anyway uh <laughs> Oh, God, I'm just going to move on to my next point. So I have... Uh, she came to an understanding for who and what he is, and I thought so, I guess. It's another naive moment for me, and then she just really hates him. Uh, I, he reacted to getting rejected by Cassidy like an incel would. I mean, like, oh, since you're such a good girl. It's really cringy. Didn't like it. That was one part I didn't like. Um, that was one part where the writer's personal opinion kind of slipped through a little too hard. And I was like, okay, can we get this movie back on track, please? This is a little, is a little too much. Um, we had the pimpo that he had sex with uh, in the bathroom has a fireman fetish uh in that scene where he's explaining to her that she that he's a pro wrestler is so weird and gross and he definitely fucked a girl that was like close to his daughter's age so just kind of like scum shit all around from mickey rourke's character throughout the whole movie basically um could could never do that. Could never do that. 
And then his daughter's reaction to him missing is really heartbreaking. Her just, like, not even being able to get off the floor because she doesn't want to see him. And then telling him that she doesn't ever want to see him ever again. You know, can't ever imagine what that would be like. That would suck really bad. Um, my next point here says that... It really sucks that he made such a simple and honest mistake that is going to haunt the relationship for the rest of his life. I mean, albeit his short life, but his life nonetheless. Um, I have next, I have her getting cold feet mid-dance was really sad. I like the touch of her leaving the shoes in the club like a wrestler when they leave their boots in the ring. But when they retire, or sorry, in their boots in the ring when they retire. Yeah. So they did a nice, funny little mirror of um, when a wrestler retires, they'll leave their boots in the ring uh, as an homage to the their performing and everything. And so uh, when Candy, or sorry, Candy, Cassidus, Cassidus? Oh my God, it's time for bed. Whenever... Whenever Cassidy retires finally from the uh, strip club, um, she is she leaves her her high heels and is, in my opinion, and this is how I interpreted it at least. I uh, equated it to um, you know a wrestler leaving their boots in the ring, just a fun little touch, fun little touch. Um, conversation between Ayatollah and the Ram during the match was really good. Just sound, you know, dialogue. Really enjoyed it. Um, next on there, I said, why is he milking the finish? Is, he knows, is it because he knows he has nothing else? Uh, and then my next note says he's literally going to kill himself for wrestling. That is the probably the, you know, most real thing that could happen here. Um, and yeah, that's basically my last note um, before the end of the movie, and he, I, in my mind, in my mind, he really, he hit that ramp jam and just never moved afterwards, um, you know, already kind of mid-heart attack, and he's taking, you know, like, 10 foot at the minimum fall, I don't want to say at the minimum, I would say like a 7 foot, eh, maybe like a 5 foot fall, but still, I mean, he's having, like, heart attack withdrawal, and it's flaring up, you know, and it's just not great. I, 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 not, there's too much against him for me to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, he definitely made it out. I'd just be lying to myself. So, you know. I think he died. <laughs> I think he died. Um, I have three more notes, and this is just general stuff about the movie, so I'll get through them quick. Uh, I have this movie was really well acted by Rourke, and he was dominated. I already said that. I have the editing of both the visual and the audio is incredible, and it very, very, very much is. The audio is really well mixed, and it's uh scored really well as well. Um, and then the visuals, the editing is makes this movie a powerhouse, honestly. Uh, so, really good job to people on those crews to, you know, make that 
such a uh, such a paramount and important part of the movie. So appreciate that. And then I also have at the very end, I have I really enjoyed how dramatic the cinematography was. So yeah, Maurice Alberti did a very 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 good job uh, running cinematography for this film. And I think it was so 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 good at catching like all the dramatics. It was great with superimposed lighting, um, with like a mostly back, uh, mostly like black background. Um, minus the ring and the the wrestlers being like super lit up and then just some great shots with uh him flying through the air and just forced perspective with uh, camera flashes and um studio lighting that lights stages and stuff like that just thought it was all really good just a super well done movie honestly um and yeah that's basically, that's my last one. So we're basically done with the review section. Now it's just time to put it on to the list. Um, the list is, for those of you who are not aware, which I don't know who would be watching this is not aware, um, it is a list that I do for the show and it basically is um you know just the way of looking at all of the movies together and seeing them all in one place seeing how they i don't want to say compare to each other because no none of these movies really compare to one another because they're not all the same genre and they're not all the, they don't you know you don't need a more more explanation. I'm just putting a rating on the numbers and then putting them in a row. That's really it. Um, but for this movie, I'm going to go with an 8.3. <laughs> putting it above Lost in Translation for the number one spot. Sorry, sorry, Lost in Translation. Uh, you'll have to move over. Um, but yeah. One uh, one week at the top for Lost in Translation. That's uh, kind of what I thought when going into this one. Yeah, that's basically it. Um, so now I'm going to sign off. I will uh, see you guys next Monday. I think it'll be like June the, June the 7th, maybe. June the something. I don't know. You'll see me when you see me <clears throat> next Monday. Is when I'll be here. Um, I will be watching next week. Shit, I should have that. Uh, sorry, Nate. Uh, next week, I'll be watching the film Portrait of a Lady on Fire by Celine Sciamma. So, very excited about that. Always heard good stuff about that movie. Um, very, very, very excited to see that. So, tune into that next week. See if it can beat The Wrestler. For making that top spot. And uh, yeah, watch Finding New Films on Friday. This upcoming Friday, we have. Uh, have to figure that out. <laughs> As of right now, we have to figure that out. Uh, we were going to have um, Zach with a K come on to do more Vern Calair, although, due to a miscommunication, 
Um, Zach is gone. He lives in Los Angeles um, <laughs> for the rest of the summer. And so, unless we get him on Zoom, I do not think he's going to be the guest for this week. Uh, so, we will see. I will let you guys know when I know. And, well, I guess probably not. But, nevertheless, you will see him at some point. So, yeah. Have a good rest of your week. And I'll see you on Friday.